Hey everybody, welcome back to Terminus, uh, the hinge of extreme metal podcasts. I am the death metal guy, aka I'm dry for Lent, but God didn't say shit about Dayquil. And I am the black metal guy, aka how do you give yourself a hangover for a week? Uh, so <laughs> I'm uh, I'm joining the death metal guy in a, a period of sobriety, although mine probably won't last as long. Um, <laughs> I, I, I like that we're both just kind of sick, you know, I've we, got my we, cold we, and... We, we had a rough time, yes. <laughs> yeah, I, a, a group of feminist witches on r slash witches versus patriarchy placed a hex upon me. And now you have to find their vault of crystals and destroy them in order to break I'm gonna, the I'm going to discover their dreadful phylactery and set it aflame. <laughs> um... So, uh, I actually once did have a, a love spell put on me by a witch, which was actually pretty chill. And guess what? It worked. Um, did it involve a beej? Because that's most of the witches I've interacted with. A what? A BJ? Oh, uh, well, eventually, yeah. I mean, sure. <laughs> um, oh, that wasn't the love spell itself, though? No, no. I, 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 was, I wasn't totally privy to what it was, but I, I had to eventually conduct a ritual to break it. Serious <laughs> shit. Very nice. Welcome to the uh, black metal guy world. Oh yeah, it's just doing it's a, cool witch shit. Apparently, yeah, um, it's a lifestyle. So yeah, everybody, you get to you get to put up with my cold voice uh, for this episode, and given my track record with illness, probably another episode after it. Um, so uh, real quick. Uh, in the Terminus co-prosperity sphere before we fire up for today. A uh, little bit of news. Let's do your uh, your plug again for Old Mill first. Hello, yes. Um, we would like to encourage you to buy the Stonehenge Alliance benefit compilation for all time by our bro at Old Mill Productions. Uh, this, uh, if in case you haven't heard they're planning on putting a highway through the tombs of the mighty ancestors under the sacred plain um and uh this will go it will leave stonehenge visible but destroy you know whether whether you think of it in terms of archaeology whether you think of it in terms of sacred landscape or kind of both like i do you you don't want that gone right uh and even if you have no direct connection to the uk or anything like that right if you're just interested in paganism or history or enduring culture or cool piles of mystic rock, this should be a thing for you. Um, but uh, yeah, we've got and some ban uh, uh, people on this comp that you might not expect are uh, Vapentak, which is a pretty interesting uh, UK kind of black folk thing, which has a very thought through kind of ruralist aesthetic. Um, Gorsed FM, which is a guy we know who I would not have expected to be doing something with Old Mill, just different sort of scenes. I think that's a Bool God project. Um, uh, let's see, what else? Um, we've got uh, Lung Toucher, who I haven't actually heard, but I think that's rawer black metal than you'd normally expect on this. Uh, Revenant Marquis, who are quite popular right now. Um, uh, Robes of Snow, our guy, uh, and um, AFSCI, which I think people are also very into that ASCII release that came out last year. Not to be confused with AVSKI, the bangin' uh, bulldozer black and roll band from 20... Yeah, the old Swedish one. 
Dude, yeah. I, I think they're going to put out a new one soon, and I'm so stoked. Really? Oh, that's cool. I just, I'd, I'd be down I, to revisit I, that. I've just seen a couple reissues, and I have a feeling. You know what I mean? <laughs> fuck your right. values. Fuck your beliefs. The one lyric for the whole song. It's uh, it's like the version of Kraft that I actually like. Oh, for sure. No, exactly. Yeah, or it's like uh, it's like black metal guys listening to Gigi Allen making Gigi Allen good. Gigi <laughs> Allen was already good, man. I don't know what you're talking about, but <laughs> yeah. Well. Um, so uh, in addition, uh, one for me. So uh, this is just a little heads up to guys, uh, especially in kind of the Hessian firm and the DMU crowd. Uh, long-running Argentinian death metal band 1917 has put out a new record. Uh, I think just last week uh, looks like March 1st. Um, if you're not familiar with 1917, they are a kind of kind of proggy, like a little bit technical take on early 90s death metal. Um, I had a few of their records uh, from back in the mid-2000s that were very good, very interesting records for people that are into deep listening, old-school death metal stuff. You know, flat production, these are our riffs, make of it what you will type stuff. Um, and I've just always been charmed by them, and they've always had trouble uh branching out beyond South America just due to limited distribution. But uh, the new record Omnicrisis is out. Uh, it is not available digitally. If you want a copy, you message the band on Facebook and they Damn, will Damn, that's you real. Exactly. <laughs> Dude, you should order you one using the Terminus funds. Yeah, I should do that. I, I think I might actually. That would be cool because yeah. I do yeah, want to cover it. It's just impossible to find. Yeah. Um, but just so everyone knows what it's like, uh, they did release a promo track online. Uh, so this is off Omnicrisis. This is a track called Gestas Decrepitas. So let's just listen to a couple minutes of that, and uh, I'm interested to get your take on it.
I really liked that. Yeah, it's it's really cool. I guess listening again, it's been a while since I've listened to them, but uh, I guess it kind of reminds me of Anata a little bit. Hmm. I think I see what you mean. Yeah, they've it's got been, that kind it's of been years, but I remember. Yeah, that. they've got that kind of arcing, stately style, uh, mm-hmm. but with some of the more kind of aggressive thrash rhythms in there. I don't know. They're uh, they're a band that's a, a pretty unique combination of parts, and uh, I just I wish more people were. Uh, aware of them up here yeah that was really cool that definitely fits in with the sort of the hessian firm vibe the kind of uh dark metal that uh nick and that the guys in Mephitis talk about um because it's it's very death metal structurally but it has this kind of rich sense of harmony and kind of uh spiritual quality that you're more likely to get in black metal uh and it's very yeah shit is brooding yeah yeah so uh like i was saying if anyone's interested in that uh i will acquire a copy but if you guys want a copy you go on facebook and you message them and you send them i don't know some cash in an envelope or something probably it's old school (laughs) (laughs) all right so before we get to our rundown uh real quick uh, follow us on social media, me, the death metal guy, over on Facebook at Terminus Podcast or the black metal guy on Instagram at Terminus Extreme Metal. And then if you're really dedicated, you can uh, donate to us or no, I, I hate that term donation. You can subscribe to our content there you go. on Patreon or Subscribestar. Uh, $3 and up gives you access to the Terminus Prime bonus episodes, and $5 and up gets you access to the Terminus Black Circle, our private Discord server where we uh, share our experiences with dispensary weed and argue as to whether uh, whether we should be doing more historical stuff on our bonus episodes, which is interesting. Apparently a lot of people are interested in that now. They want more, like, uh, more bonus episodes, or... I th- well, I think they want more, like, full-fledged kind of, like, scene rundown stuff. and uh, That's kind of, uh, yeah, I was thinking we might have to eventually go there. In which case, we'll definitely need to keep, these will definitely need to keep be doing, like, a month, monthly or more basis. But we could do that. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Yeah. I still yeah, think, I, think I still think complete Spite Extreme Wing discography. Gotta do it. <laughs> definitely that. We gotta do, uh, well, we've, we've got a thousand ideas we've been kicking yeah. around, so... We we don't oh. we we keep that for the pay pigs. We don't we don't just reveal that information here. <laughs> that's a that's what that is is a salacious rumor. <coughs> sort of uh, kind of gets some it gets people excited. Um, but yeah. um, also be all yours of, for three bucks a month. Speaking of the patron stuff, we had one guy uh, who started following us a month or two ago. Just up his donation from five bucks to twenty bucks, uh, which is really cool. Thanks, dude. That uh, is really sick. And that uh, upgrades him from the rank of Black Metal Hermit to uh, War Metal Barbarian Werewolf Overlord. <laughs> now we got two of them now. It's true. Yeah. All right, so a little bit of a different format this time. We were doing five records. Why are you doing this to me on the weekend that I'm sick? Oh, because they're all short. Yeah, that's true. So we got, we got like uh, three kind of shorter reviews we're going to do because we've got two EPs and uh, like a 20 minute full length and then we've got a a couple more sizable records and uh, it's just kind of a mix of everyone today so uh, what have you got starting us off? 
Yeah, this is like uh, Terminus Zine Digest Day. We're gonna. I kind of like it. Yeah, yeah. We do one like this a month would maybe be a good idea. But here we go. So, um, first off, uh, Malthusian command. That's command with a K. Don't get it twisted. Uh, Of course, they are. Also, they are from Chicago. The command with a K may remind you of a band from Chicago called Commandant. Uh, like Commandant, it is uh, it just extremely, uh, extremely ugly black war metal. Uh, frankly, I like this better. Uh, the new record is called Unraveling the Purity Spiral, and it's a, or it's an e, and it's an EP. All right, then I'm gonna pair that with a new one uh, called Grabschlüfer by a band called Goifer or Guafer from uh, probably not Gopher from Switzerland. <laughs> Uh, who are part of the Helvetic Underground Committee, which is a pretty cool black circle that I've heard, don't know super well, but I've heard good things about. Um, I guess Ungfell, who are pretty popular, is part of that. And uh, this is a release on Ripose Records. Dude has been very supportive of the show in the past, so we're glad to cover one of his things. This is, uh, and it's just straight up black metal. Yeah. Yep. And now third uh, for one of our two uh, longer reviews today, we've got the... Uh, debut record by Soul Dracani Septum called Hyperion. Uh, this out on Time Tombs Production, which I assume is probably their own imprint they use for themselves and friends band, something like that. Uh, this is a sort of sci-fi themed, uh, odd kind of uh, melodic black metal band from France. Uh, very, very 2000s in a lot of different ways, so I'm looking forward to talking about that. Oh, I think they said Time Tomb is a new label. I saw that on the YouTube. Yeah, but the the book series that they uh, base all their stuff on, the Hyperion series, mm-hmm. the Time Tombs are an important location in it, so I assume that they probably run it. Whole, yeah, no, that makes sense. Just, holy shit, wow. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> that great is war. very cool. <laughs> Oh, I guess it's uh, it's also me next. Um, yeah, so in the fourth slot, another short one. Uh, this is the debut full-length, uh, self-titled by the band Zatrata from Poland. Uh, this was actually originally digitally released late last year, but now it's finally getting a physical edition through Self-Made God. So I said, uh, I'll allow it. Uh, and this is a uh, sort of a, a crusty death grind band in the style of a few sort of unknown bands from that area, but a lot of which I've heard and enjoy a lot. So I'm looking forward to kind of introducing this little micro scene to people. And last, a fan submission from a guy who is also a patron. Um, uh, this is Exsanguinates. Violence is the natural law. This is a very independent release on Bandcamp. It is pay what you want. You should uh, check it out. But this is very cool, difficult to describe, fits in with the general outlaw rock thing we've been talking about as far as distinctly American-sounding black metal or black metal-ish music. Uh, Sort of psychedelic Western thrash, I guess. (laughs) All right, first up, Malthusian Command with Unraveling the Purity Spiral. You know, the only the only missed opportunity was, I mean, shouldn't it be Malthusian Commando? I kind of like that, too. <laughs> no, I like, the, <laughs> I like the imperative 
Um, <laughs> Mal- Malthusian Commando would be fucking hilarious. I mean, although that, that's, although that sounds like more of a hardcore band. Well, you see, well, you're thinking of it as like an imperative. I'm thinking of it as like a a governmental superstructure, the Malthusian Command. You know? Yeah. See, those are those are both cool, but I feel like if this had more punk beats, Malthusian Commando would be awesome. Um, That's fair. So, didn't uh, uh, aren't you in contact with one of these guys? Didn't they approach us? He, well, yeah, he didn't exactly. He didn't approach for a review, actually, which is kind of you know, it's like uh, obviously, please approach us for reviews. But it's kind of cool. He wasn't like, "Hey, review my band." He just got in touch and was like, "Hey, just found your show. It's really sick. Thanks for doing it." And I was like, "Wow, dude, thanks." It, you know, it kind of meant a lot to me because you know he's like, you know, somebody just listens and reaches out. That's pretty cool. Um, so, uh, and then I was like, oh, this guy has a band and it's called Malthusian Command. And I was like, I've heard of that band. They had some weird, uh, they had some cover with some black armor on it. <laughs> so that's like all you, all you need to be interested <laughs> in a band. Exactly. Really. Like, oh, it was that one with the black, I, I archived that in the armor files. Um, so, uh. So I checked it out, and within a few seconds, I was like, well, this is fucking cool. All right, dude knows what's up. Um, and uh, based on... This band has been somewhat popular on the internet, I think in part because the first record, you know, they have tapes, and the first record had a pretty... That black armor cover was just pretty sick. Um, and, like, you know, maybe they have some context, but it's done fairly well uh, for something this niche. Uh, and based on, like... The, just the aesthetic and whatever you might expect and the name you might expect some like modern american kind of war metal stuff kind of drawing on like you know some diocletian revenge pastiche right mm-hmm. and that you know that there are good versions of that there are a lot of bad versions of that uh but um but instead what i got was a band that immediately reminded me of one of our mutual favorites, uh, which is a, a Terminus Keystone, which is Nidden Division 187 from Sweden. Oh, yes. <laughs> sort of war metal if it were just black metal. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it, black metal with an intensely warlike atmosphere. Yeah, you could call it black <laughs> war metal or whatever, or just the kind of war metal I like or whatever. But it shares members with Dawn. Um... And so it has, you know, there's a, there's a lot more color in it, let's say, uh, and a totally mm-hmm. different sonic palette. Um, but, uh, you know, and so this is also to some extent, um, these guys are definitely into their sort of, uh, you know, Americ- Ross Bay style powerlifting black metal skin thing, right? And so there's definitely some of that in here. This is not like, this is much more sort of like pared down than the Swedish stuff, but you could hear all these connections, and this is just aesthetically pretty cool. The first demo hit me as like, okay, this is solid. This one hits me as a significant step up. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you think, bro? Uh, overall, uh, I did enjoy this a lot. I still think this is the sound of a band getting their feet under them to a degree, which I think is kind of like, I think that's going to be it for... Mm, most of the records on the show are kind of like, okay, so we're, we're starting with an idea. We're doing, I think it's a show of all debuts, uh, apart from our last record. Um, Pretty much, yeah, yeah. And this is the first official Malthusian Command release. Yeah, yeah I, I so, hear what you mean. Yeah. 
So what's interesting to me is that, yeah, so there's there's a war metal aesthetic going on. The way these songs are presented is sort of like, as you said, Ross Bay style war metal songs. But the, the actual content within hues a lot closer to kind of a traditional Swedish style black metal, just overdriven and made a lot nastier, mm-hmm. um, which is an interesting idea i like the idea of you know the the whole war metal format well i mean you can kind of you can kind of insert whatever you want into that format you know what i mean i think that yes i think that that's absolutely right because it's like yeah war metal it's sort of like war metal being a technique like when we've talked about grindcore yeah, war metal is something that sounds like war. Grindcore is something that grinds, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. War um, metal is a vibe, and if there's any formal thing about it, it's just sort of relatively short songs, lots of blast beats. Um, I, uh, hard to say much beyond that, really. Right? Relatively yeah, short I songs, mean, lots of blast beats, and a mood, as you say, a kind of war mood, a mood that doesn't have maybe some of the more gothic or romantic or folky qualities of black metal. Yeah, definitely. Um, So, well, let's go with uh, your first sample and we can just kind of talk about the music. Cool. Um, This one is called uh, Murder Strike. So we're going to start with some sick power chord shit, although I think kind of inverted power chords in a way that sounds very cool. And then it's going to... open up a bit in a way that I think is pretty characteristic of how a lot of these songs work and unusual for war metal.
it. There's you know nothing like some goblin vocals to wake you up, you know? Oh, yeah. You know when we reviewed that Astral Tomb and I talked about how much I love riffs that sound like power tools? Yeah. That that last one, just straight weed whacker, man. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's uh, that's the, the most dissonant stuff on Panzer Division. It, it is, but it's got... It is, but it's more... Yes, it's like the best parts on Panzer Division. A lot of Panzer Division is... It's like the back end when they start pulling mm-hmm. out the stops. Does that make sense? Yeah, like, yeah, uh, yeah. Like, it's like the back end, and some of their best riffs have this really liquid quality. Whereas, like, all the Nidin riffs sound like that. Mm-hmm. Right? This sort of liquid quality and these sort of distressed inverted harmonies and whatever. Um, uh, but yeah, so that riff is obviously super sick. What did you make of the developmental stuff in the middle? Um, I, I, I enjoy this band in their kind of liminal spaces. I think that, I think they've got some really interesting ideas for how to develop these songs. And I think that that's kind of the hinge point for this band is Mm -hmm. what they're able to do with that in the future. Because you'll actually hear throughout the course of this EP, they've got a lot of different ideas for how do we get from one sick, like, hyperspeed blasting war metal riff to another? Um, you know, it's it's always about how you fill in those gaps that really determines the quality of a band like this. And my later sample will uh, will get into that a little bit. Um, so one thing these guys really like doing, which is uh, why I think it's so Swedish, is specifically the sort of chord shaping they're using on their riffs. They're using a lot of these sort of dissonant, like, uh, uh, like fourth or sixth intervals, you know? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And then they're just moving those around the fretboard in the way that uh, I was going to write originally, and then I backed off, but then you wrote it like early Dark Funeral would. Well, um, yeah, because you, well, what you wrote, you wrote something smart. You were like, yeah, so, I mean, I think, like, I immediately went to Nidin, right? But you noticed, well, this also just has a lot in common with this broader current of 90s-style Swedish stuff. And you were like, you wrote, like, I thought, I, you're right, this sounds like what I thought Watain was supposed to sound like. Yeah, uh, and I, yeah. yeah, it's, that's sort of, like, what I imagined Watain was supposed to be like, and it's not. Although, actually, I went back, and it's like, oh, you know, I did to make sure it wasn't totally off base. Like, no, Rabbit's Death Curse kind of does sound like this. That's what I suggested in the notes. I said, I said, Rabbit's Death Curse might. Yeah. yeah, I was thinking of specifically of their first record. Yeah, obviously yeah. this is a lot faster and more war metal than that, but you can see the parallel. I think, I think, just the the heart of this really lies in, um, Swedish black metal that is now deeply unfashionable. You know what I mean? Which is really, which is really cool. Yeah. So basically, like the chord structures that sort of got—I mean, you could say, you could say Orthodox BM sort of, and Orthodox BM and Norsecore kind of took these chord shapes and ran them into the ground. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if you play them with real crazed intensity and you're actually trying to write riffs instead of just block chords, uh, it. And you're mixing it up with some other styles of stuff. It's it's really good. And I think, you know, and something specifically about the tonality too, right? It has that dissonant minor quality that like, you know, the Swedes got it from the Norwegians to some extent, right? You know, it's mm-hmm. it's dissection and these other bands distilling certain things about mayhem and emperor and whatnot. But like, you have that dissonant minor quality that a lot of the Scandinavian bands have. But 
without any of the things that make it sound dated sometimes mm-hmm. right i'm not saying it always sounds dated but like for instance you if we've talked before about how certain kinds of emperor riffs or maybe certain kinds of mayhemy riffs or dark throwing riffs ones that sound like greet hall of the mountain king or whatever or mm-hmm. ones that sound like horror movie soundtrack yeah right this kind of spoopy devil man riff um, yeah right these these and you can listen to something like Dark Funeral and hear a quite a bit of that, right? But that's Definitely. from back then. That's from back then, right? So it makes sense. But, like, the cool thing about this band is that they're using those chord shapes without those um, period-specific eccentricities, right? And so it's mm-hmm. just all we get is that trace of classical harmony or melody with just, like, Sonata for Gatling Gun in D minor, right? Well, I would I would even say that it's sort of like a lot of these riffs, especially the tremolo riffs, are are sort of arranged like Swedish black metal riffs, but then the the interval choices are more like early death metal riffs. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Like you can then, you can you can hear kind of like old Deicide or old Morbid Angel in or, some or blasphemy, of these right? Yeah, yeah, of course. Well, as as far as I know, you know, it's it's, I I I can't remember a blasphemy riff. They all just kind of blow right at you. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I I, neither of us are (laughs) blasphemy dudes, but I've I've listened. I think I think there's some cool blasphemy for sure. Um, uh, but yeah, so let's listen to since I've been talking about them. No specific thing to say except like. Let's just listen to some Nidden and think back to that. Listeners, we've ran our mouths for a bit, but think back to that cool Weed Whacker riff. Right? And uh, think of how sort of taut and furious that is. And then let's listen to the beginning of Judgment Dawns from Nidden's only full-length Impergium.
Yeah, we remembered that that song's like a minute and a half long, so we just played the whole thing. <laughs> dude, dude, I missed that album. It's been like years since I listened to a full Nedon song. That's so fucking good. <laughs> why are why are we like the only people on the planet that care about that album? Yeah, we've tried to compare. You compared. You did some. You, we've both tried to compare things to Nedon on the show, but always kind of in this push comparison way where we're mm-hmm. just like, please pay attention to Nedon. But like. <laughs> This guy really gets it, I guess. Yeah, I, th- I think, especially after listening to that song, he has to have listened to this record. Yeah, so some signature character. You people, listeners, I think you could hear those. I mean, I always talk about liking whiplash and riffs, but this or that riff that on Malthusian, right? Those are like the essence of whiplash and riffs. Right? Um... You could hear this sort of ghost quality of classical music that makes it not just grinding death metal. You could hear these sort of strange harmonies uh, that aren't totally just disso. Uh, mm-hmm. And just those vocals, which are disgusting, um, <laughs> these are a little higher, but similar idea. Uh, and crazed drumming. What do you make of the drumming on Malthusian? I haven't really... there. I remember hearing some good parts but it's not quite as flashy as the drumming on it. No, it's, it's not flashy. I, there's, there's more to dig out than you think. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, it's something we talked about on a previous episode. I forget in reference to what in particular, but like the blasting is really fucking fast on this, which is a, a thing that's been forgotten in black. Mm-hmm. What, what mm-hmm. if, what if we blast beat, but like do it like really fast, like you're supposed to, um, I, I think that overall it does it does a pretty good job of adding to that sort of like just sadistic drive to this music. That's that's what I would describe this as. This is very sadistic black metal, you know. Yeah, uh, you know, I feel like yesterday I was listening to this and I did hear some part where I was like, "Damn, that drummer is hauling ass." I just can't remember specifically what it was. Um, yeah, but yeah. So um, uh, yeah. So I guess let's let's get so there. I've I've done that. We've 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 had our knitting moment, and now on to you. All right, so uh, real quick, uh, my sample. Uh, this is off Surplus Killing, which I guess is like the uh, sort of hit single of the record. That's one they <laughs> printed T-shirts for and shit. Um, and oh, yeah, this is an example. Oh, uh, yeah, they're all sold out, but yeah. Yeah, um, So uh, this is, I, I figured, you know, this is a pretty high-tempo album in general. I figured you'd take one of the speedier parts, so I decided why not take one of the slower ones. Um Cheers, bro. So you're gonna hear you're gonna hear kind of this like section bookended by these fast, pretty cool tremolo riffs, but then there's a, a sequence of developmental riffs that are on the slower side, and that's what I really want to draw attention to. So uh let's just check this one out. Cool.
what do you think of it? Well, you were asking me about development. What do you think about the development there? Honestly, I, I kind of spaced at the beginning, which was my fault. But um, just like uh, the we we sort of were talking about it. I think it works, right? We were talking about there was some moment where you said this is very Watain, right? Where it drops, yeah. beat drops and out a little bit. Start doing those just arcing, like swaying between two big dissonant chords against each other. Yeah. Yeah, and the cool thing is that um, I, I don't know if in their prime Watain were that guilty of this, but certainly at their worst they were, which is that you know we've talked about the the dreaded halftime orthodox arpeggio, mm-hmm. right? You know, um, this does not fall into that trap because although it slows, it doesn't lose momentum, right? It's got this kind of lurching quality to it. Yeah, it's, then, it's something the like mid mutilation would do. That makes sense. And then because they're American, they put a two-step under it, right? The way yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, um, but very watching cording for sure, and I like the way it builds back up to the blast. At the very beginning, though, there was some sick vocals, right? Uh, surplus killing. <laughs> yeah, you got the the. I, I didn't know if they did like a gang shout like "Hey" behind that, but it sounded like it. It was pretty cool. Um, cool. I, I guess so. I guess what to me what this music is kind of hinging on is structurally, it's it's right there. They've got a really good idea of how to get from these big war metal parts to each other. Uh, mm-hmm. as, as I said earlier in the episode. I think that my only issue would be, I think as far as the tremolo riffs go, a lot of them are just so, so kind of spare and gestural. They're, I mean, they're coming from a place in black metal that you don't really hear anymore, which is like this sort of early mid 2000s thing, a lot of it. But there is such a rigorous minimalism that at the end of the day, a lot of the riffs do end up sounding like each other, you know? Yeah, I th- I think that's totally fair. Like I-, I feel like he does. I feel like there's a lot of character in the more kind of um, squiggly, fast, thin-sounding power chord things that that I was been mm-hmm. geeking about. But I I do think that in some of the corded part, the parts where it's like fast or aggressive corded riffing, some of those do fall into the sort of these are the dark funeral chords quality, right? Yeah, um, and. But, you know, I mean, here it's all delivered with such aplomb that, like, it doesn't really... It's an EP, like, you know, it's 20 minutes of extreme intensity. So it's not It's not like a... It's not so much a strike against this one, but it's a, definitely a thing that they could work on, is how do you give yeah, those... That's the way I see it. It's like, it, it's fine within the context of, like, 18 minutes, but then I could mm-hmm. see that dragging on a full length. So. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So it's like, how do you how do you either expand on the atmospheric ideas of it? Maybe do like cool, catchy, sustained chord stuff. You know, could you do could you do evil orthodox Senko stuff, or could you mm-hmm. just build build longer melodies with those? Right. Yeah. Mm. Well, overall, uh, yeah, it's a good EP. I'm glad you showed this one to me. Definitely curious to see. It's weird to imagine this being like really popular online, but I guess it's picking up steam, which is, I mean, one good for them too. It, it seems like the internet black metal scene has gotten very different from what I remember, you know. Yeah, in some ways it's a lot worse, in some ways it's better. It's uh, well, I yeah. mean, if it's if they're promoting stuff like this, I would say it's better. That's I was what just I mean. imagining. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just imagining it. 
an endless array of like post black. <laughs> well, no, there is that, but that's the parallel universe, right? That's the sort of like uh, trending on Bandcamp page, right? Yeah, it's like here are your here are your media endorsed records. Um, but um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah. So um, this is fucking sick. It's definitely a. Uh, you know, it's a, it's it's like a it's a stepping stone in their sound, but I think that this record in itself is definitely worth repeat plays. Like, given the, the the sort of condensed quality and the relatively short length, means I'll probably listen to this a fair amount. Um, also, tidbit: these guys are all literally powerlifters. <laughs> yeah, definitely worth uh, knowing that. Just absurdly jacked personal trainers apparently is the uh the lifestyle of this band and uh we heartily endorse that indeed um so uh good record uh let's take a quick break and we'll get on to another one this is a little one gash and you're listening to terminus all right we are back with another short one uh this time it is going to be goifer's uh premier uh first demo Grabschlofer out on our buddy uh, Repose Records. So uh, we, we talked about Repose a little bit on this show. He's been a big supporter, so it's good to uh, finally feature some of his music. Um, and I think that I think that a lot of this uh, demo has to do with kind of a musical blind spot for me. So you should probably take lead on this because this seems to have to do with a lot of sort of forgotten mid-90s Scandinavian stuff that you're better versed in than me. Oh, well, thanks, bro. Um, But, you know, I think you also found a good connection for this. Yeah, I mean, I think this is... Yeah, it pairs well with the Malthusian because I think they're both drawing on reference points that should be similar reference points that should be bigger now. So, yeah, this is a great example of storming black metal uh, in the sort of the grand Scandinavian tradition. However, it's Swiss, um... And it does, I think they found some, in, find some interesting ways to make it sound kind of mountainous. Um, as far as this band's situation, they're from, so the Helvetic Underground Committee, I said at the beginning. Um, <clears throat> I remember reading an interview with the Repose guy in the old Millzine uh, back in the day, or I mean, back in the day, months ago, where he said he'd been hoping to work with the uh, HUC, and so it looks like he does, and he is now, and that's great. Um I don't, the only project I really know from there is a band called Ataigar, uh, A-T-E-I-G-G-A-R, um, who have this kind of Faustian alchemist's laboratory up on the snowy peaks kind of vibe. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and what set them apart, it's a two-man thing, uh, and what set them apart was that they basically wrote the second Kvist LP. <laughs> um, so that Kvist is a famous Norwegian band or sort of underground legend Norwegian band that wrote a record called For Kunsten Ma Vi Evig Vik in 96 and then just disappeared. Uh, sort of like what emperor could have been if they hadn't taken their checks to the wank bank. Right. <laughs> um, and... Uh, one of the so one of the most convincing and cool worship projects I've ever heard, and I think that's a big influence on Goyfer too. Maybe I'm reading into it, but I think so. Um, could be one of those two guys. Uh, their their names uh, both start with uh, their the stage names are great. Uh, 
Their stage names, I think, are both Houth or something, or Fouth, F-A-T-U-H. And this guy's stage name is Boog, with two O's and two G's. <laughs> um, so, um, why don't we lead off with, uh, just, yeah, we'll just, we've each got a, it's a short EP, we've each got a sample. So, mine is from the beginning of the track S. Noble here. on the wind we must turn back we must make for the gap of Rohan <laughs> man how about that eagle moment and that the, the strange the, the mountainous Saruman uh, wailing <laughs> oh yeah yeah no I, I, I really like that uh, Repose Records always seems to be interested in Stuff that's traditional, but sort of out at the same time. Um, yeah, because he, he does a lot of he does a lot of more kind of deliberately weird stuff, but he's very rooted. You could tell the dude actually likes black metal, and so yeah. this is, I guess, like if he's gonna do it, he's gonna pick a weird version of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so it was interesting, like in your notes versus mine, uh, the mm-hmm. comparisons because Kvist is like. Uh, a total blind spot. I don't think I've ever actually listened to the Kvist record. Um, I've, I've seen people talk about it, but I, I had just like moved on and I had like kind of picked my stuff by the time I came across oh, it. You know what I sure, mean? Sure, I get that. Yeah. And 
So that that's a blind spot for me. So what the way I described this was as though someone had a project where they took the the sort of the weirdest and most liminal parts of Take and mm-hmm. made a band out of it. Because Take is a band that's known for these, you know, massive sprawling melodies. It's like you're at the top of the mountain and you see the entire landscape and you're mm-hmm. running down mm-hmm. the mountain to go on adventures or whatever the fuck. Mm-hmm. Um but everyone forgets that the reason that those melodies land so hard is because there's all this weird liminal stuff. There's these gnarly kind of burzum or dark throne parts, um, but they're filtered through host as a musician who is very technically capable for that scene. So he does these strange kind of sprawling, almost prog tinted versions of them. And then I listen to this demo. It's like, oh, wow. So it's just the the weirdest moments, the most kind of abstracted moments of like late nineties Scandinavian black metal, but now done on purpose and, you know, sort of channeled into full songs. Yeah. So Toga was actually, as we've talked about, Toga was a little bit of a blind spot for me. I'd listened to some of their newer stuff, but I've been listening on and off to over Bjorgvin Grotter Himmerich uh, this year. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's fucking great. And if I had to have one word to describe it, I'd say it's nimble. It's very um, nimble. Yeah. Very it's agile guitarist. Yes, very elfin for sure. Yeah, not in the lame not yeah, not not in the lame sense, but in the actual sense. Um and uh he really, yeah, clearly listens to classical music and has an ear for chord changes like sophisticated chord and key changes like harmonic involutions uh things that would seem jarring to the people of a younger generation who've grown up on quote-unquote melodic black metal which is as you say all the hook parts from toka right yeah Um, yeah yeah so no i hear that because guafer is very nimble as well um but i think in a lot of ways toka is coming out of they're drawing on this, let's say, uh, I mean, let's say, yeah, let's just say high elven black metal, right? Or sort of mm-hmm. uh, very, like, very kind of, um, you know, this this stuff like Dawn and uh, Kvist and these kinds of, uh, I mean, you know, you can think of a few others, uh, Sorin, uh, Thy Primordial, these kinds of bands in the mid-90s who were doing extremely serious kind of highbrow black metal without the fripperies of symphonic stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. And like semi high budgets, but still pretty unhinged. Um, And, and so Toke is like, takes that and he re he takes it back to the punk and the folk Mm -hmm. and stuff. I think that's kind of his achievement. He takes that and he like, he he brings it back to like some of the, like he, he he makes it really earthy again. Yeah. Um, but so this has this is definitely Guafer is definitely high elven black metal. This is some serious Noldor shit. So uh, for a comparison, let's listen to Kvist's "Min Likam Ermeg Blot and Bird," and this is uh, the, I'd say the comparison is clearer if you just listen to the whole album, you know. But like you'll hear it here. <laughs> Wow, it's left around the place and start. 
Oh, so this is where Urgahal got all their ideas. <sighs> Does Urgahal sound like that? I thought Urgahal sounded retarded. And I like Urgahal, but they sound retarded. Urgahal sounds like a more retarded version of this, but like the fast parts of Urgahal on like Massive Terrestrial Strike. Yeah, they sound like the oh, I don't know in this. I don't know that one that well, but yeah, no, I, I yeah, know yeah, yeah. thick fog till death. Oh man. So, oh no, I, I've never liked Urgahal, but uh, yeah, no, Massive Terrestrial Strike sounds like that a lot in places. Although I guess I forget that Urgahal's way earlier than I remember because that was only ninety eight. So I guess I always yeah, think of them as this. like I always think of them as a, like a two thousands band, you know. I get what you mean. They well, they sort of had the, uh, they had kind of the, uh, e- the intense Neanderthal brow ridge version of that style that would become more common later, right? Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so you could hear like you could hear how that actually sounds kind of like Nidin, right? Yeah, yeah. Sort of whiplashing melodies, sort of lots of disharmony laced in, but it all still sounds kind of like noble and resolute. Uh, um, and Goifer had, in that sample, I think, in the blasting riff, there were these cool sort of, you know, semi-harmonic, this, you know, disharmonies. And then, like, uh, when they brought it back to that thrashy punk riff, even, the turnaround to that, if you just listened to it glancingly, sounds like a regular sort of BM turnaround. But there's actually really cool chord changes happening in that. And, like... So it's a little like Kvist. It's, I mean, I think it's harmonically like Kvist, but it's also like Toka. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, and then, uh, so, uh, well, another thing to say is, I mean, we've talked about how the bass of this kind of sounds, but it's uh, this is also really weird music in a lot of ways. Um, it, it's got its own sort of pet eccentricities that I think are like half the charm of this demo. So uh, my sample is coming off the last track, uh, Degasayima. Something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, so we're going to listen to the... Guy the fr- yeah. Something like that. Uh, so we're going to go to the uh, beginning of that track. And uh, so we're going to open with a, a sort of French take on a big toka riff. And then it's it goes way off the rails from there in a really cool way. So let's <laughs> check right, it out. cool.
That's that, that's very weird. So what's the the order of operations there? Is like you got this, you got the big Toka riff, and then you've got the the keyboards that come in sort of out of nowhere but work really well, and then it drops into this sort of, I I called it kind of like a churning sort of pest noir thing, uh, but I mean it could probably be attributed to a lot of different stuff. And then and then this big major shift like in the nightside eclipse style kind of i am the black wizard style key change moment and we're in this like ray of light major oh yeah well what's weird is that it's sort of a gnarly folk black riff under it but then like just this (laughs) chiming keyboard thing over it which is completely major key like it, it, it's almost like a a polyphony kind of situation there. It it, it seems to intersect. It, yeah, it's like they were written in really different sophi- rooms, you know. <laughs> I yeah, it's funny. I was paying more attention to the big thing over top, so I'll have to listen more for the the thing under it. Um. But yeah, I don't know if this scans as that eccentric to me, because, hmm. well, because again, like. This is that kind of region of, you know, like, uh, grim, high, angry, high elf, mid-90s black metal that just is, to me, what Scandinavian BM should sound like. And so the idea that you have this play between harmony and, you know, melody and dissonance and that you have trade-offs between, you know, things that sound folky and things that sound weirdly punky and grinding, it it's more like... That's kind of what I want out of the show. You know, it, it is unfamiliar to me because they don't make them like that anymore. I mean... Well, yeah, like, I, I would say... I mean, I think it's eccentric just because it, it's such a forgotten kind of branch of the whole thing. That, I mean, that, I, I think, that I think it's only not eccentric to you because you've spent half of your life listening to this <laughs> very precise niche. Fair, fair enough. And also, to be fair, I think that he does try to... Bri- you know, they're, he's picking up on the range of this style and saying how much... I think I, I think what you're picking up on there is right in the sense that he's... There, there's this sense of range of how can we navigate between these different parts. And then he's like, how can I make these all as kind of different as possible without making a schizo? Yeah, no. And I, I, I think that that's a, that's a tough line to walk. But mm-hmm. I feel like... We've talked about this a little bit, how it seems like there's more and more bands coming out that are interested in these, like, liminal spaces of black metal. The the places mm-hmm. where, uh, sort of, like, different niches fused mm-hmm. back in, the, like, mm-hmm. the 90s and 2000s, and it was kind of awkward back then, but it's like, what if we just take that as a starting point and then we build off that foundation into something mm-hmm. unique? Uh, and I think this is kind of a case of that happening. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I, I think another thing that's very toke about it is just all the punk beats on it. Yeah, yeah. And I know that you're a sucker for, like, big epic medieval melody over, like, bonehead punk beat. Oh my god, that thing at the end, yeah, I forgot about that until it came in on the sample, and I was just like, <laughs> that was so cool. <laughs> just, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, it's like, alright. <laughs> I guess we're doing this now, but, uh... Yeah. No, it's a so yeah, it's <coughs> excuse me. Uh it's it's definitely really interesting. I have trouble making a solid conclusion just because mm-hmm. this is so like relatively brief. I mean we're only looking at like three mm-hmm. songs like fifteen minutes of music apart from the intro. Um but I'm definitely interested to see what happens after this. 
I would say, yeah, I mean, the first song is good. Like, I knew I'd like this from the sort of, like, swooping Wagnerian fifths on, like, the first track. However, clearly we think the second two are stronger. Yeah, yeah, um, I would say so. Uh, um, yeah. So, overall, good demo. Interested in hearing uh, what else the uh, the guys in Switzerland have for us. So, uh, uh, Black we'll metal guy... Black metal guy, serious seal of approval. You are welcome in my <laughs> hall anytime. You know, a, a death metal guy, seal of approval too. I like, I, I like it weird. So, <laughs> all right, we'll uh, we'll take a quick break and then we'll now we'll actually do a full length. Hey, it's Kari from Sepulchre Curse, and I'm Jakob. You're listening to Terminus. All right, we are back. Uh, and now we've got Soul Draconi Septim with Hyperion on Time Tombs production. Uh, so this is a French three-piece black metal band, I guess. <laughs> um, I thought sort it was six-piece. Is it a six-piece? I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it is just three. Maybe, maybe they have, like, they were listing extra personnel. Um uh, oh, I think they had some guests and stuff. Yeah. Um, so, what is this pulling from? Uh, it's pulling from very weird uh, sci-fi black metal from the early and mid-2000s. Uh, but it doesn't really sound like industrial black stuff from that era. Like, it doesn't sound like Aborim or anything like that. Uh, it kind of is its own thing. Like, uh, the closest thing you can really describe it to is, like, a a sort of sped-up, filled-in summoning, in a way. You think that's that accurate? Th- that is right, yeah. It's summoning with a more kind of... what's You had a good word for sort of, like, sci-fi meets fantasy. What was it? Uh, oh, Sword and Planet? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, Swords and Planets. Yeah, future fantasy kind of vibe. That's definitely the vibe I get from this. So it's like future fantasy summoning with more a friend of ours says he always thinks of summoning as kind of a martial industrial band yeah right like not exactly using guitars but not really after black metal things and this kind of has a similar quality to that and it yeah definitely similar mood uh kind of just constant constant epic uh and but definitely a little more Cybertronic. Yeah, so I, I did a little bit of research. So apparently, uh, this band is all themed around a series of novels called the Hyperion Cantos that were released in the early 90s. Uh, so it, it's a set of sci fi novels that are <laughs> extremely hard to decipher, even from like summarized descriptions of them. Um, but they, it's, it seems to have something to do with, uh, questions of like super far future society and time travel. And it's got this sort of abstract dreamy quality to it in the same way that like really early Heinlein might have, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and so everything on this record is about those novels. I know some of the main bullet points, but it seems interesting. I kind of want to check it out now. It's got um, a really cool cover. 
Yeah, it does have a very cool cover. I believe that is supposed to be the Shrike, which is this biomechanical monster that protects the time tombs where you go because time flows backwards there through some trick of physics and the Shrike uh, prevents people from getting into them and accessing its power by impaling them on the Tree of Thorns, which is some massive metallic tree where it impales you and you die and are resurrected on it constantly for eternity. So, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah, for those of you who, who can't see it, uh, we uh, it looks kind of like the a, a, a bone praying mantis as imagined by the guy from Evangelion. <laughs> yeah, it does have a pretty Evangelion quality to it, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I guess, I mean, really the only way to get into it is to play a sample so we can kind of yeah. talk about what's going on here. So, <laughs> this is off, uh, something distinct that happened here. All of our samples are off the back half of the record, uh, which I think is a lot stronger than the first half. It, this takes a while to spin up and it takes a while to, like, kind of get your bearings on what is the band trying to do mm -hmm. in this music. Uh, but this is off uh, what I think is supposed to be kind of the big single track uh, called The River Letha's Taste is Bitter. So mm -hmm. uh, let's just go to the beginning of that and uh, rip through a couple minutes and see what we find. So my theory about this record is that it is a very literal attempt to recreate 70s and 80s prog rock through black metal. I think that's the, the central conceit of this music. Like, so I'm that's a big blind spot for me. I mean, this doesn't sound like Yes or King Crimson. So to what are you referring 
Oh, I would say there's like some Jethro Tull in it. Oh, I, I think that I, it, as soon as you say that, I get what you mean. Yeah, there's some of that. There's some like focus from the Netherlands. Uh, even stuff that isn't necessarily prog rock, but it was adjacent to it, like just uh, like Steely Dan or something like Chicago. that. Chicago. <laughs> there's there's this whole. Because you got to remember, like, 70s and 80s prog and sort of prog adjacent stuff got really into, like, high fantasy and sci-fi for a while there. That's 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 true. That has led me to many disappointments. I see on the cover some <laughs> sick, sick drawing of an astral knight and a chick with big tits, and I, I listen to it, and I'm like, oh, no! Oh, no, it sounds like Rush. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> exactly. Um, I, I have a soft spot for some Rush, but I like, the, I like Working Man and Godzilla. Oh, I, f- I fucking love Rush, yeah, like, yeah, in yeah. general, dude. Um, so, but I think that's that's really, like, the fundamental unit here is uh, when prog rock would, like, get a little more spacious, you know? It's like, oh, we're, we're, we're cruising in our... <laughs> we're cruising in our rocket ship around space. We're all listening to Hawkwind right now, and it's cool, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, oh, I could hear kind of, I mean, it's not the things I like about Hawkwind, but I can hear what you mean. Um, Hawkwind did have a saxophone at times. Um, the other thing is, I think this is, um, uh, well, it has to do with the French thing, too. I think this is, um, there's some synth wave here. Yeah, because that's, so the, the retro big elements. Retro soundtrack pastiche, and so this brings us to the saxophone <laughs> those are the two big elements uh of mm-hmm. this music that make it so erratic which are one the synths which are very 80s electronic i i think i think it's less modern synth wave i think it's more like terminator 2 soundtrack or something but like that but that's what synth wave takes as it's like yeah well, that's I mean, it's I, like I, it's it's what's the term the fancy term locus classicus that for it is like what it what it aspires to is terminator yeah i i think i just give these guys the benefit of the doubt i think they're closer to the source material than a lot of mm-hmm. people are um so there's that and then there's the saxophone and i know you're not a fan of that <laughs> Well, you know, I, I actually, I think there are some things on this that I thought were either guitar or, like, a keytar that were actually saxophone, um, I think, and I like those. There are some parts of this where it sounds like bagpipes. Do you know what I'm talking about? Well, they're playing, they're doing a lot of, like, effects on the sax. They're using it in a lot it of different could ways. could have been, a, you can also, yeah, you could do it with an effect, you can do it with your, with just weird playing to a degree, uh... But, like, so I think there are some parts of this where I'm fine with it. I mean, you know, but I think it is a difficult proposition for me in metal. Like, you have to find specifically metal ways of playing the saxophone. I feel like Meslam Taya did a good job of that, where they got... The, the saxophone was influenced by, like, actual kind of free jazz playing and whatnot. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, this, to me... I mean, okay, I understand. The aesthetic now makes more sense to me. It's like, okay, 70s prog, synthwave, or or 80s movie soundtrack. I, I get it, but, like, I, I just can't stand that sort of smooth jazz saxophone sound. And I can't stand how soulful he's trying to make it. It's like Ken, <laughs> you know, it's like Kenny G. Um, and, uh, like, 
and I get that it, I get that it's a vibe, but for me, like it, and I get that this is supposed to be somehow futuristic, but like, it's also you know to some extent like that the saxophone supplies all the drama there. That's like the exciting part, right? Mm-hmm. The initial melodic BM riff is, as you pointed out in the notes, one of the better ones on the record, but pretty underwhelming. And uh, yeah. if you've heard some descending minor minor arpeggio things before. Uh, and then the sax comes in. Ah, oh, yeah, God, I, I just I don't like the tone. I don't I don't like the style. Also, just for listeners, I will full disclosure. I used to play saxophone, um, <laughs> but uh, not like super seriously. I stopped when I was a teenager and realized I liked dumb music instead of smart music. <laughs> um, uh, well, I think, well, I, I think that is an important thing to to lay out up front. Riff to riff, this is not great. Like, there's not a lot of memorable riffs on this record. But I say that with the caveat that I do not believe this is supposed to be riff-oriented. I think that you really hit on something in the notes where you talked about summoning gets better when you listen to it as sort of like ambient atmospheric music or something like that. Uh, And I think this does also. Yeah, I feel like, in some sense, the overall goal of what they're trying to do, which is use black metal technique to make this kind of crazy future fantasy ambient atmospheric soundtrack experience with about bone-praying mantises and trees of eternal death, like, I I fully approve of all that, right? Um, (laughs) But, um, yeah, for me, I feel like... So I guess what I said in the notes is, like, when I hear a thing that doesn't really have, when I hear like a band like this where there like aren't really very strong riffs in it, I think like what I do is like I try to think first like well what could they be trying to do right and especially mm-hmm. like these guys if you look at the lineup like I know some of these names or at least I've seen them right like or like like Merrimack that was big when we were like much younger. Uh, uh, Borne, I've heard of, like the guy Bornehack, uh, Bornehack, mm-hmm. I've heard of his name. Um, these are like, you know, they're like dudes, Belenos, right? These are dudes on the French BM scene. They know what, you know, like, they know what, like, a solid black metal riff sounds like, right? Yeah. And, th- and so they're, they're doing this for a reason. And they're definitely trying to de-emphasize the riffs themselves. It's like something like they want to de-emphasize the riffs themselves in favor of the arrangements and the textures. Mm-hmm. However, my thing is like I, I often just don't find the arrangements or textures that compelling. And on the other hand, I feel like it does depend on riffs more than more than it wants to, because like a lot of the layer aside from the big sax breaks, a lot of the arrangement stuff is just kind of stacking fifths and octaves on on the original riff which is like not necessarily bad if what you're doing originally is highly riffy or melodic or something but like to me at all like you know you know that i there's this kind of smoothness that is not my thing in music this is very smooth yeah no i i agree i i think that like i i don't disagree really with anything you're saying i think Mm -hmm. that and I think that a lot of the issues that I have with this album are basically the same as yours. I think that the only difference is really that, like, I, I appreciate the conceit of it so much 
I get what you mean. It's just like you have more. I think we also both exactly agree on what they should do to develop it. So like, yeah, it's basically just you have more time for this. Exactly. Yeah, I, yeah. I've got more patience for this. I have a. I I have such a love of just weirdness in general that. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it, we we both uh, probably agree that like a failed experiment is better than mediocre competency, but I think that I'm just way further in that direction. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And also just like, this is drawing on genres. I'm basically committed to hating. Right. Like, Oh yeah. Yeah. I I don't like seventies Prague. Sorry. I mean, even though I'm sure some of it's good, I'm sure I'd like some of it now. Sorry. Punk dogma. Don't like seventies Prague. Uh, (laughs) Hate synth wave. Um, So like, it's just, those things are, although I love the themes, those things are right out for me. Um, but like, let's try, um, here's a section that has like a lot of the eccentricity here. Um, and it's kind of, I would just describe this as like a lot of this record has this kind of smoothly flowing, uh, just spacey epic adventure atmosphere. This is kind of like a very active section where the harmonies, the the arrangement starts. I feel like the, the arrangement starts to pay off here more. Okay. There's a lot of like active interaction between these different layers. So this is from uh, the end of The Long Goodbye. Yeah, you're correct. That's one of the more dynamic sections of this record. Yeah, it just feels like the, you know, there's a little more in the the different layers. There's a lot of layers throughout this and often the layers just kind of sit alongside each other. But here they all start like playing, you Mm -hmm. know, Um, you know, so like as far as like the more solid riffs on this, you know, this has got (laughs) actually this is the same kind of phrase as the uh 
the same basic stock folky black metal phrase as the toke riff that we both really liked on the last record. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, but this is more like kind of a just, you know, like it's got that do 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 do, and then it does, you know, some jigs around a little at the end. But you know, that mm-hmm. reminds me of just like sort of like a perfect. Just the root notes of a perfectly serviceable later Graveland riff. But, like, uh, you know, that's probably my favorite regular BM riff on this, but it's pretty not, you know, it's like B+. Um, And uh, this is, but, like, when it's interacting with those synth layers, right, Uh, you know, then that kind of... um, those little those little sort of pulsed 80s electro kind of things right oh i Uh, love those things (laughs) yeah you start to get a little more like a a a dance beat Mm -hmm. too yeah it's you know i i can't say that i think all yeah i I don't know that i find all of this tasteful but it's certainly certainly there's mute certainly there's like uh engaging music happening there oh the, t- the like, tastelessness yeah. is part of the appeal to me i i, like I under i understand if it all sounded like that i'd probably like the whole thing better no i i, I like how blisteringly uncool this music is <laughs> um but yeah, it's well, and i, I did kind of like the metalcore part too like the um at the end like i i liked that they were doing that kind of Again, who knows what it actually is, right? That is one interesting thing about this band is weird sounds being made in unexpected ways. But a thing that sounds like a violin over it gets one of the only sort of suggestions of dissonance on the record. Yeah, well, I mean, that's that's an interesting thing in general is just the the sort of... It's, it's one of those things where buying into the conceit is helpful because this record has a very sort of flattened melodic palette yes but in a way that i kind of like when i'm just like when i'm listening to it in the way that i believe it should be listened to which is like all right we're just setting this on fucking cruise control for the stars there's just gonna be kind of weird shit going on there's gonna be some stuff that looks like it's from a frank frazetta painting but with robots and shit um it's I I don't know I can I can kind of get into just how kind of flat and expansive this stuff is. This music sounds more like a landscape than a narrative. I would say. Yeah, tonally, I mean, yeah, you also just like tonalities like this better than me. I feel like oh when yeah I yeah. Com- when I complain about stuff that sounds sort of like generically open minor, like uh, just kind of like, sure, it's a minor scale and there's this kind of um uh, you know it's the melodies are like written on a grid um and yeah, it, yeah, it's I kind you. of it, it it doesn't particularly feel minor it doesn't particularly feel major like you know the, the good there is examples of good post rock that use that deliberately or like Brian Eno's music for airports as things like that right but like mm-hmm. hearing you know i it just doesn't do, like Hearing hearing sort of post-rocky versions of riffs I like is not, you know, that's kind of like, oh my god, what did you do to him? Graveland, <laughs> speak to me! <laughs> it's, uh, well, it's, um, well, I mean, it, it, it's funny because a lot of the things you keep saying are like, they add to just the whole thing going on here, which is like, oh yeah, Brian Eno's Music for Airports, I fucking love that. <laughs> yeah, know? but this doesn't sound like Music for Airports. I mean, it's... 
Well, yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I get it, but... But I um, guess, I mean, I guess it does sort of, I mean, via your Prague interpretation, it does sort of sound like something from that era. Yeah, I, I think that mm-hmm. the heart of this... I, f- I feel like I feel like the heart of this is outside metal, really. I agree, I think yes. That, I think that just these guys are practiced black metal musicians. That's a platform that they're comfortable with starting with. Mm-hmm. But I think that... Because I was thinking while we listened to it, it's like, would this be different or better if it was just clean vocals? Or if it was just uh, maybe even just instrumental music? Yeah, probably. I think, yes. I think the the thing that make, that are most distinctive about this band and that they are, again, this is just in this particular configuration, the things they're doing best and seem most interesting to interested in are the non-metal things. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But now let's get to... Uh, our last couplet of samples, because these are both off the the same track, which is usually a, an important sign for a record where this mm-hmm. is the yeah, most yeah, interesting yeah. one. Because um, I had some notes on this one, which was talking about the album in a kind of a meta sense, where I was saying, if you take this music and you strip it of its maximalism, you take away the tremolo riffs and you take away the, the double kicks and you just let that negative space ring... A lot of what it ends up sounding like to me in particular is like the first skepticism record, Stormcrow. Triggered! <laughs> hey, hey, listen, I've listened to that album probably exactly as many times as you have, dude. So, <laughs> um, but, but like, so let's listen to this sample here. Uh, uh, this is a little bit later than your sample, but this yeah, is my yeah, we'll start with service. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's towards the end of the track, and imagine this without the space filled in, and tell me what you think. Mm-hmm. that my my space wife has alien cancer 
Bro, I'm so sorry. We should never have gone <laughs> to that planet. We should have never gone to that planet. Everything just ended up worse. I had a um, bad feeling from the start. <laughs> when, we, when we pierced through the atmosphere and we saw the skeleton warriors with swords around, I had an idea that maybe this mission wasn't as safe as Command said. Ah, <laughs> <coughs> <coughs> oh, shit. Um, I really like yeah, this see, song. He's, he's the, yeah. the death metal guy was poisoned by the atmosphere. Yeah, yeah, that's what happened. Yeah, mm-hmm. Just uh, sucking in all that Venusian fucking ammonia or whatever. Uh, so I, I really like this song. Uh, I think this song is closer to what these guys should be doing. Because they they kind of abandon all pretense of black metal here. Yeah, although also the guitar work is way more engaging than it is. Like, a lot of the guitar things are things that you could do on a particularly kind of power metal-y, kind of fantasy black metal record. But, like, Mm -hmm. like, yeah, no, I mean, like, I think this is definitely like, yeah, big climax moment. This is the last track, right? Or is it the second to last? Second to last, yeah. Yeah, no, we I, we both sampled this. I think we agree it's the strongest. Um, definitely arrangement. It, it, yeah, it doesn't really progress like a metal song. Um, but like, you know, the idea of like those sort of... The skepticism thing you're thinking of is those kind of big... Uh, you know, kind of interestingly shaped big descending chords at the beginning, right? Yeah, there's something mm. very specific about these chord shapes. I'm not sure what they are, but they are something that's kind of unique to skepticism. It's, you know, there's like, I think there's like a lot of fourths there, which is like doing kind of heavy sounding fourth stuff is one of the cooler things you can do with an open tonality like this. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, also, I mean, so, I mean, juxtaposed with, I mean, like, I like the Angus Young guitar over that. Oh, right? yeah, yeah. The the weird sort of, like, uh, Celtic phrase that sneaks in there <laughs> in this otherwise. Yeah, that's kind of shredding over the top. It, it, that's another thing. I, I like, I mean, this is just, of course, I'm a sucker for this, but there's a lot of stuff on this record that sounds like bagpipes being produced by instruments that are not bagpipes. Yeah. And all those kinds of things with weird trills or built-in harmonic effects, I think are very cool. And I think a band this could think this band could do more. Yeah. But, and the uh, and the reason it works so well is because it's not bothering to shape it like a black metal riff. Sure, yeah. That's a good example of a yeah, that's that's a good example of like we've got this big chord progression and we've got just some shred. Right. Yeah, no, and I th- I think that we both agree that the path forward for this band really doesn't have much to do with black metal. Like, uh, my idea was like, we can already tell that the, the riffs are not the important part here. So let's strip those down even further. Let's make them even more minimal. Let's really punch up like the electronic elements and just make weird desert planet music, you know? Yeah, could they make the guitars just more chord progression-y? Yeah, like, because, let's just... Because they're, because when they're playing riffs, the implied chord structures and harmonies are just bland. But there, when they're just playing chords, I mean, I don't really think that is the density of skepticism, but I hear what you mean. They're, like, cool, kind of majestic-sounding, clang, you know, chords. If they did... St- 
and it's kind of, you know, simple, but heavy. If they did stuff like that throughout, right, that would be a just solid harmonic base for doing whatever kind of epic flights of fancy they want to do over that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I mean, so uh, so as far as, you know, uh, like, uh, so as far as, you know, connections to skepticism or whatever, I suppose, I, I feel like it's mostly on this song where that is a thing. But I, mm -hmm. I take your point that on this song, I can hear what you mean. Um, uh, but, um... Let's go here. I mean, here's the part that hit me on this record. I like this part a lot. And of course, it's, you know, it's obvious why I like this part. But um, <laughs> uh, yeah, this is just a cool climactic moment earlier. In this, actually, that's a distinctive thing about this song is that this track has cool climactic moments at multiple places in it. Yeah. So All this right. is the early song climax of The Last Pilgrims. That's a cool part. That's great. I mean, yeah, I that's like my favorite part of the record. It's, yeah. yeah, it's uh, it's, I mean, yeah, it's it's the closest to a kind of classic medieval melody. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's like that is the connection with skepticism is that like on this skepticism clearly probably spent a lot of time listening to medieval music. These guys are probably familiar with it. You know, they're like black metal dudes from France, right? Um, but, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I feel like there's this, 
when these guys reach into that medieval harmonic vocabulary, it just sounds cool. Uh, it gives their... It gives the riffs the kind of... It shifts the tonality from the earlier stuff, and suddenly there's a lot more muscle in the melodies and the riffs, the harmonies. Yeah, I can see that. I, I, I think that... I mean, that really kind of brings us back to that us originally talking about summoning, you know? Uh, we're, what makes yeah. summoning compelling is the 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 way it just sounds like they're unearthing these d incredibly simple sort of instinctual musical ideas. Yeah, you know? these sort of horns and, at the castle gates. Yeah, and the, and the fact that and a part and also part of what makes it compelling is the fact that they're doing it on these kind of cheap synths. You know, they're not bothering to brush the dust off the bones when they uncover it. Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah, so, like, this is... Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, to me, like, the funny thing is, like, this, to me, is the most black metal part on the record. And it actually, you could hear it sounds like a French black metal band. Suddenly, like, I mean, you yeah. could you could hear this on an Hour Lock or Vea Moss record. Um, but it's slow. I feel like maybe as far as the heavier or more metal parts, maybe they, this band just... Be maybe because they need space for those dense arrangements, maybe just working at slower tempos for these heavy parts works better for them. Like if oh, you're yeah, gonna no. do, if they're gonna do something overtly metal, this works. And also, you could hear their proggy thing just in the way they then bump that melody up like a fourth or fifth and do it. Like it, you know, th there's like a chord change or a key change or something there that like extends the melodic idea that like a, a regular black metal band probably wouldn't do, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think I think this is a case where, <coughs> um, excuse me, uh, there's, this is a record with, I believe, all the constituent parts of something that can be great. Mm -hmm. They just don't mm -hmm. know how to put them together yet. Because there's, there's something to be uncovered here. You've got this epic but kind of desolate, like, desert planet atmosphere. You've mm -hmm. got these sort of, like, densely corded arrangements that are happening in fits and starts. You've got this, uh, you've got, like, the, the really, you know, synth-wavy kind of 80s electronic stuff going on. I can definitely imagine that all being put together on a second record and then kind of jettisoning the the black metal riffing stuff that feels like a holdover you know yes it, yeah. it feels like f for lack of knowing exactly what to do mm -hmm. in terms yeah. of guitar stuff we're gonna do kind of like traditional melodic black metal stuff but stripped down and sort of yeah. softened and in the background when really I think they should just step away from that completely and just make weird fucking Paysage de Hiver on Tatooine shit, you know? Yeah, I kind of agree. I, it will, weirdly, it will probably end up sounding more black metal the fewer black metal riffs are in it. <laughs> yeah, um, it probably will. Yeah. Like, like I think, you know, more skepticism, more summoning, and I think we'd both agree more electronic stuff, and maybe more even... Like, you know, the parts where the drums... I think they do have live drums here, but the parts where the drummer are doing sort of preposterous electronic-style dense double bass fills, mm -hmm. those are cool. Those are heavy, right? Shit like that, you know? Um... 
Let's throw in some fucking disco beats. <laughs> yeah, fuck it. Why not? Like, yeah. just... I, I, th- I think that's the main advice for the band is, like, just... You really don't have to be a black metal band. Yeah, follow like, your bliss, dudes. Do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, like, your vibe is your tribe, bro. And your mm-hmm. your vibe is, like, wandering through the canyons of the desert planet. Yeah, and, and if a, they go for that... praying mantis after you, you know? Yeah, and if they go for that, maybe I'll even... Maybe I'll buy the saxophone, you know? <laughs> All right. Oh, uh, let's see. What, what's some good, uh, some good weird desert music as an interlude? Oh, God. Um, desert music. Um, thinking of stuff like, we're thinking of stuff like this. Um, I don't know about desert music, but one thing this did specifically remind me of was the later Seer Bliss stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, well, Seer Bliss is always welcome on this show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we both like that. So, like, I mean, I feel like, yeah, I feel like um, the last Seer Bliss record had, was kind of reaching for, this band, one thing I do like about Soul Dracani, also I like the Dragon Sun name, that's cool. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, one thing I like about them is that it's very cool wizard music. Right? Yeah. And, like, I feel like a definitive sort of cool wizard music thing that I think, you know, sticks the landing a little better is Seer Bliss's Letters from the Edge, which is, like, mm-hmm. it's still metal, but it's very proximate to, like, pop forms of metal and, like, electronica. Oh, but yeah. It's just, but it's, like, cool fantasy, cool swords and planets, uh, portal hop and wizard shit. Uh, I'll, let's see <laughs> what... Give me a sec to choose a track. But, yeah, this is from sure. 2018. Um, and you're a big fan of their old... I think I approve of their older work, but you know it really well, right? Uh, yeah, like the first few records are the ones that I'm best acquainted with. I need to go through the whole discography at one point, though. Wait, actually, there's a similar track title on this, even. Um, Soldier Connie Septim. What are the tracks on this again? Um, the River Lethe's Taste is Bitter. In fact, on Seer Bliss's Letters from the Edge, we've got uh, um, At the Banks of Lethe. All right. Well, there we go. Then that's the one we got to play, right? Uh, it's really short, sadly. It's an interlude. Um, oh, here, here's the one I want. This is another great, tri- great title. Um, A Mirror in the Forest by Seer Bliss from Letters from the Edge. <laughs>
right, we're back after Seer Bliss with the uh, debut full-length uh, by Zatrata. Uh, it's uh, self-titled. This is a Polish band who uh, do kind of a crusty death grind. So I talked about the Polish and Czech grind scenes a little bit way early on uh, in the history of the show. And uh, something that's always been interesting to me, especially after kind of learning more about Crust with you, is that it feels like the point of adjacency for Crust and metal nowadays in like Western Europe and North America is basically Crust and black metal. But over in Eastern Europe, for many years now, it's always been more adjacent to the death and grind scenes. Um, now obviously, a healthier state of affairs. <laughs> probably, yeah. So, uh, especially in Poland and Czechia, uh, there's always been a lot of bands that flirted with both sides of the equation. Uh, and you can also see that on, you know, festivals like Obscene Extreme out in Czechia, where... Czech, uh, I think it's Czechia. Czechia? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Still the so Czech we're not, Republic. We're not, we're, mind, not, so. we're not Chechens. Um, yeah, but, but like you see, you see a festival like Obscene Extreme and it is a combination of gore grind bands and brutal death bands and like old school grindcore stuff and then kind of crusty mixtures of any of those things, um, Mm -hmm. which is, which is interesting. There isn't really an equivalent to that in North America, unless you want to go back to, uh, shit, I don't know, like Weekend Nachos or something like that. You remember that band? (laughs) I mean, yeah, I mean, there was a fair amount of stuff like Weekend Nachos, but like, you know, like, yeah, I would say like crusty death metal probably, or like, No, I mean there there is a lot of crusty death metal overlap. I just think it's in a like a different way. Like in a, in the U.S., it's probably like more by Bolt Thrower or Swedish bands, right? Um, yeah. The the good crusty death metal sounds like Bolt Thrower. The bad crusty death metal sounds like Entombed. Um, and in Eastern Europe, it seems like like there's more vital. And also, usually those are the most boring provinces of crust being combined with those genres. Whereas in Eastern Europe, it sounds like there's like uh, things that aren't in touch with them as much in the West, like sort of like real sort of nasty gutter crust, um, extreme grindcore, often sounding more gory than the crusty mm-hmm. equivalent in the West. And like, again, like proper death metal. Right, sort of combining yeah. in ways that are the Czech stuff is certainly like that too, where it's just like it just sounds more extreme, right? There's yeah, it does. In, in, I think I think in the last at least in the last ten years, there's sort of like you know, there's just been this sort of like this sort of generic trucker hat bro metal, right? They call it crusty death metal, and what does it mean? Well, it means it's the new equivalent of grunge. Yeah, and and no, I mean, uh, what does that even mean? It's just old school death metal with D beats. Well, old school death metal already had D beats, so exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, mean, no, it's just old school death metal played by guys from the hardcore scene who, uh, you know, like exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so so in terms of this record specifically, how does this scan for you? Since you're obviously way more involved in crust than I've ever been. 
Yeah, this is quite good, is what I wrote my notes. And, you know, in some <laughs> sense, this is, it's very similar in some ways to this crust extreme metal synthesis thing that was happening in the U.S. like 10 years ago and has continued. But, like, um, with, from a different culture and with different base ingredients, um, and it's more compelling than 99% of it, at least as far as I remember. Um, the thing I can think of it that's most proximate to, and this is just... I don't think this is, like, the best reference point for this, right? This is just a record that's important to me. It's just the first All Pigs Must Die EP, mm -hmm. um, which was... The basic format would just be metallic hardcore, but basically all the riffs going into the blender are from sort of, like, D-beat and war metal and stuff, um, and, and some, some integrity kind of stuff. Um, yeah. And they just... And death metal. And they just sort of... Yeah, they just throw it all in a blender but it's not pastiche because it's um at the level of structure the songs have just this very focused continued intent and they're just like really intense 15 minutes just get in get out operation uh and this is kind of like that i think but like instead of coming from you know more like hardcore dudes it's coming more from the you know uh crust grindcore grind like grind is a real ingredient in this right yeah yeah like a meaningful ingredient it's not just blast beats there's actual grind stuff you know exactly exactly um actual grind stuff actual death metal riffing signals familiarity with death I, there is a fair amount of swedish sounding stuff in this but it signals familiarity with things other than like a couple chug riffs on left hand path you know what i mean yeah exactly Although I'd say that the bolt thrower is a big ingredient here, too. Oh, um, for sure. No, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Yes. And one thing that's interesting, because you wrote in your notes, was uh, stuff like Disrupt, which was... I, I didn't think of that at first, but I'm actually a huge fan of the Disrupt record. Um, and that is a very interesting touchstone of, like, crust blending with extreme metal in kind of an odd way. Yeah, that's a good example of what I mean by sort of, like, classic, really nasty raw crust as opposed to arena crust. is like, disrupt versus whatever kind of, you know, trucker hat band you want, right? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I went back and listened to that disrupt record today after I thought of that, and I was like, damn, this is great. I think that's one of those oh, things yeah, that was, like, record. I think I listened to it a lot when I was younger and then just totally forgot about it. Yeah. Uh, no, same. That was like when I was a teenager, I listened to that constantly. It's interesting because I always thought that was like, that was way more accessible to me, probably because I was a metal kid, uh, mm -hmm. than a lot of the other crust stuff that I'd heard at the same time. It's also um, just high quality. Oh, yeah. It's mm -hmm. just really good. Vocals are mm -hmm. fucking awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, so let me let me do a quick track off this. Uh, it's pretty easy because most of the songs here are very short. This is 10 mm -hmm. tracks in 20 minutes. Uh, so let's listen to, uh, just starting the second half of the record, a song called, uh, Fundamenti Weari.
I'd say that's that's a track that is just like completely satisfying. You know, yeah, that's like, awesome, man. This is this is exactly what this kind of thing is supposed to be. You you got the got the huge bolt thrower stuff opening up. It's very like Fourth Crusade or War Master. Uh, then you know you got the really fun, cool D beat part. You know you got to do the D beat rush with the sustained chord. You know, yeah, it yeah, never and it's gets not old. A, and it's not a throwaway D beat riff. It's like good. You're they're using that kind of more. Um, it's Swedish, so you rely more on lumbering tone and slower picking, or less less rapid picking than um, some British stuff or whatever. But it's uh, than like discharge. But uh, it is they get the heaviness from good choice of the intervals and clever mm-hmm. timing. Where to change? Yeah, um, and then you know they tie it together with that kind of like. Th- thrashy almost mellow death break you said it was very much like uh like angel of death uh break <laughs> pretty down. much just straight slayer yeah um yeah yeah uh but then like the intervals are a little bit different so it gives you a little bit of that swedish mellow death or a little bit of like a disfere feel or something at that mm-hmm. moment sure and then just also just everyone's it. allowed to everyone's allowed to use a few slayer riffs on every record right yeah that, that is true that is yeah. true and then it just it wraps it up it just blows it out, and you're done. You're in and out in two minutes, and it's really fun all the way through. There was that sort of crisp kind of... There was a riff at the end. You know, we the joke is, you know, we can go through and, like, source all these riffs, right? And that's kind of the point. That's the fun of yeah. it. But, like, at the end, there was a pretty cool sort of, like, death metal riff that of a fairly unique construction. Very crisp chugging with some leads over it. Uh, do you Can you remember what I'm talking about? Yeah, I remember the one you were talking about, but it's like it, it's nested amongst mm-hmm. everything else. Yeah. So it gets kind of hard to pick out. Like, I think there's a lot of subtleties on this record. Like, just listening to it again, I'm like, holy shit, that's a really good bass tone. That's a mm-hmm. really gnarly fucking bulldozer bass tone they have. Um, but this, I mean, this is kind of what you see is what you get in music at the same time. It's like, oh, I like all of these parts. I like when they're all assembled in a logical way into a very fun two-minute crust death metal song. It's like, yeah. This is a really good put-on-with-your-buddies-while-you're-drinking kind of thing. And then you hear that riff and say, wait, did you hear that riff, bro? And then you go back and listen to the riff and then you keep going or whatever, right? Yeah, you yeah, play yeah, it yeah, over. Yeah. You play it over again after the record finishes. But, like, there's just, you know, this isn't about the right attention span for chilling. Yeah, yeah, I think it's, it's, I like that it's, it's simple enough to be, like, a very, like, easy listen, Mm -hmm. but it's complex enough to be worth seriously listening to as well. And I mean, honestly, one of the things I was thinking of, you know, just, like, especially during that big D-beat riff they were doing, Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, maybe this is just what crust sounds like when guys can play their instruments, you know well also just when they can write crust riffs it's like you know i tell you i'm picky about it right these guys can yeah yeah it. yeah yeah well, i mean we i was comparing it to like kind of a martyr dog riff that mm-hmm. you know it's just it, i mean it's it's like plenty of crust riffs you've heard before but it's like you said you know the devil's in the details when it comes to those kinds of riffs exactly yeah a band like martyr dog has has is good good phrasing you know, uh, mm-hmm. and a good, yeah, a good crust riff often has like two or three of these little micro riffs in it. And that one certainly did. Um, mm-hmm. but, but yeah, um, this is just, you know, it's got momentum throughout, you know, 
how, how do you write a crust riff like that without plotting, right? Um, and great. Built-in momentum. The whole record rips back to front, even when it slows down. Um, yeah, I think related to what you were saying, my thought is like, I don't know how many. There might be like 10 standout riffs on this record, which is a lot for something that's 20 minutes. Yeah. And the average riff quality is A-. minus. Which right? is pretty rare for anything R- remarkable. these Pre- I mean, pretty yeah, pretty rare for anything, in, especially in a genre that's not known as riff-based music. That's pretty remarkable. But for any band to have, like, average on a short release, to have sort of average A-minus riffs with some big stonkers, mm-hmm. it's pretty impressive, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, like, did you? is there a bad riff on this record? No, no, there's there's yeah. really nothing bad on this record. Yeah. Like it's just so, it's yeah. it's just a very good delivery of a kind of niche style that mm. more people should listen to because God knows I think we would both say we'd rather listen to this than whatever the fucking latest like blackened crust release that everyone's yeah, talking about. Yeah, or the latest Tombstalker. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Is that a real band or Dude, that's real. That's one of the ones they keep trying to flog. Yeah, for like three years. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, I for when I'm listening to them. Um, but um, yeah, so this is... Uh, it's, it's like a death metal, kind of, you know, grunge death metal. Um, yeah. But uh, so this is my sample. Um, basically just one of the great pleasures of a record like this Um this this style of short hardcore full length or EP is um certain kind of moments that happen between the tracks where it's less like oh this is good pacing this follows really well from the other one and more like you have a riff to riff change up happening from one track to the next mm-hmm. right. so uh, here we go uh, from the end of Oslepione Oh, I can't do that one. Into uh, (laughs) Topor.
Yeah, that is really nicely paced. That transition. Yeah. Yeah, I was telling the death metal guy, I was listening to this while I was taking a shit, and then when that hit, I just started headbanging. <laughs> Damn, that's heavy. Um, yeah. It's, uh... Yeah, no, that's that's a um yeah, with the switch to the six eight is really cool. And like you could start the track right there on the six eight and it'd be like, okay, here's a big six eight riff, but it's so much heavier if you listen to the track before. Oh yeah, and it's like uh there's a there's a couple moments across this record where songs just flow into each other. Like at the end of my sample, that leads directly mm-hmm. into the next one. They just I yeah. think they recorded it sort of live in just like a few sessions and like cranking out a few songs at a time something like that Mm -hmm. um i mean honestly there's not a lot to say about it it's just a really well executed record and there's you know and the thing is there's so many bands kind of in this vein all around uh czechia and poland and they just they never really break out of the eastern european scene i mean there's stuff like fam there's uh uh, fucking uh, Neuropathia, who are a little bit more on the death metal side. There's Utopia, who are great and a little bit more grindy. Um, even stuff not necessarily from that scene, like a band like Catheter would probably fall into the same category, or WTN or from Singapore. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, just there's a lot of great music in this niche, but, you know, it's like, it's always a little too crust for the death metal guys, a little too death metal for the crust guys, but... If you listen to it, I mean, it basically speaks for itself. Yeah, no, I like this a lot. Um, I'd say my one note of, I mean, yeah, we basically can't find anything to criticize about this. My one note of constructive criticism would be like, why not have exactly this same record, but with a raw production? I would agree with that. There is something like, uh, it's a little smooth and a little quiet. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's yes. oddly quiet. It so sounds it's like a arena crust. Yeah, even though it's, like, much more aggressive and abrasive than that is. Yeah, the playing is, you know, the playing is really aggressive. The songwriting is really aggressive. But the guitar tone in particular is polished, smooth, chunky, midi. Right? Yeah. Like... It's it's a little strange. Yeah, yeah. I would put, yeah, put the guitar, yeah, turn it all up, put the vocals a little more forward. um, Put it in the red, man. Like, I mean, like, just, just something with, like... In some sense, to be like the difference between like real crust and arena crust is just does it have feedback? Oh yeah, this needs some feedback on it. This needs yeah, this needs some feedback. White noise. Um, It doesn't have to sound like. I get that they want to have like big, big sound, but okay, just it doesn't have to sound like tinny, right? Um, But you know, you could do a version of this. I mean, if you heard them play this, like. They're not going to re-record it, but my God, they should just do a live recording of this record, right? I'd probably oh, yeah, I probably I, I bet live, you know, just mm-hmm. pushed way into the red. Yes, Like, yes. Y- y- oh no, I forgot to pick up earplugs at Walmart. I guess I'm fucked for the next week kind of thing. There you go. That's the way to hear this music. Oh, a- absolutely. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd love to hear this hear this band live. And if they, they should just do a live recording of this, because... They, they could play this whole thing through and it would be great. But either way, we'll both probably listen to this again. This is just super fun. Oh yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. So, uh, very good record. We'll take a quick break and we'll get to our final album of the night. How's it going? Connor here from Oncology and you're listening to Terminus. 
All right, we're back with our final record of the night. Exsanguinates, violence is the natural law. Uh, we got a patron here, and you're the one who does all the talking to people, so what have we got? All right, well, uh, you do a lot of talking on the Discord, but, uh, yeah, the, um... You're, you're this... the outward-facing member mm, of Terminus. Mm. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm, I'm exoteric Terminus. Um, yeah. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm the smiling face, um... You're the soul-devouring uh, cult leader. Um, but, um, but, yeah, so this guy, um, yeah, th this guy sent us his demo. Uh, his alias is CJ. He's from Boulder, Colorado. It's not a demo, sorry. This guy sent me his, sent us his, like, work, his, his work. Um, it's a one-man project. Um, and, you know, I think he's in the stages of developing it, like everything on this episode, except maybe the crust record, which just kind of was what it was, right? This isn't a, yeah. this is a, this is a project that's coalescing, I think, but it is damn promising and cool. Right? Yeah, it's, um, it's very interesting music. Yeah, this is going somewhere. Um, so he sent me uh, the best press release you could do, which is just, Influences include Negative Plane, Varathron, Stargazer, Inquisition, Early Rotting Christ, Rites of Thy Degringolid, Grand Belial's Key, and the lyrics are generally themed around potential ways I think humanity could end itself, free will, and our treatment of non-human life. You read that and you instantly have some idea of how it sounds. Right? Yeah, which is interesting because it's like that... I wouldn't say that it really sounds that much like any of those i mean well, i, I definitely see them a lot you think so yeah i mean but it doesn't sound like but like those bands also i think the thing he did really well is he picked up on a kind of one of those kind of lateral those are all a lot of these are seen as in different genres right but you're different subgenres. but he picked up on those kind of lateral idea or tonality level connections between them i got um, you. I, I mean i guess i don't hear a lot of rights of that at gringolade in particular or like a lot of like rock and roll and gbk riffs per se um but i think i think i can hear it um it's yes yeah, so well it's so this is this is difficult music to describe I mean, it's... Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's it's black metal. He describes it as black death. I, I don't really hear that much death metal in it. I, I see it as more like abstract black metal. Um, but there's, there's also... There's a big chunk of thrash in it, but not really implemented in the way that you would think. Actually, probably the closest thing that this is to that we've covered on the show before would be a, a much less a much less heavy metal take on Mongrel's Cross. Yeah, so that's really the niche this is in, and that's what connects all those bands that he listed. That's why he calls it Black Death, is that it's this kind of, it is this niche that I'm into, and I guess just throwing more of at you on this show, which you could call Black War Metal, Thrashing War Metal, like Arrogant, arrogant Thrash, I've been calling it, or people call <laughs> it Intolerant Death Metal. Like, these are all, you know, terms. It's just this family of somewhat related bands, right? The the Australian bands, the American bands that branch off from GBK. Uh, they all listen to the Greek bands. Um, you know, rights, or like you could, 
you know, tangentially connected would be rights or, uh, or fucking, uh, axis of advance. Um, but like inquisition fits in with this. Um, but like, they all have this kind of, you know, it's like using, it's a very, in some ways it's a good example of a mannered sound. I was thinking because it's taking basis, a base of thrash and sort of like, exaggerating and working certain parts of the sound to produce kind of black metal feelings Mm -hmm. and like not black metal in the sense of blackened thrash feelings um and some of it works by you know uh yeah certainly mongrel's cross certainly also you could hear here on that early stargazer even how they had that kind of anti-heaviness yeah like it's or as in it's working it can be heavy in its own way, but it's not trying to thrash in the way that thrash metal does, right? Um, there's, like, the mood has something to do with, I think it's sort of, like, <laughs> composed masculine confidence with a lot of these <laughs> bands. Yeah. Um, and uh, this is something like getting at something like that and using this kind of thrashy style of riffing to produce this music, but it also sounds, and this wouldn't necessarily be suggested by any of those, except maybe GBK, it also sounds extremely American West, right? Well, that's, that's interesting. Cause I think that's, a, that's a point of, a point of debate. Cause I think you see this as being a part of the outlaw rock lineage we've been talking about. Whereas I have a little bit more trouble slotting it in like that at the very least it's an extremely different take on it yeah no for sure it is very different which is i guess i find interesting there's like but um you know in part i mean part of that okay we could be prime i could be primed for that but i feel like that's fair game because visuals are a part of you know they're part of a band right if you listen to certain genres of music like dungeon synth or like dominic fernow projects the visuals is all you have to distinguish them right um (laughs) but uh it's uh but like the visuals here are he just takes these plain color photographs of these just desolate blue skied high plains landscapes right Mm -hmm. he's from boulder um and just like broken down houses dead trees um and it has this, you know, he seems obsessed with this kind of post-apocalyptic vibe. So kind of like, you know, black metal via Cormac McCarthy and Fallout. Right. Well, you know, those are three things that I love in one place. Oh, so I guess go. I can't knock that. Um, yeah, so, well, let's do a sample. Um, mm-hmm. Because I think, I, I think we're of pretty similar minds about, like, the strengths and weaknesses of this music. Yeah, but yeah. It's definitely got to get the ball rolling just so people know essentially what this sounds like. So Fair this is uh, this is from Smoke Rises from the West. Uh, mm-hmm. And this, uh, this is going to be like the first half of this track. It's one of the shorter ones on the record. And this is where it started to pick up speed for me. And I started to like, mm-hmm. it started to grab my ear. I'm like, okay, I think I see what we're getting at here. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's just listen to the first couple minutes of this and uh, we'll talk about it. All right, here we go. Mm-hmm. 
So the it, it's very small, but the thing that grabbed me was the the constant repetition of that just like flanged guitar note at the end. It almost sounds like a, a steel guitar twang. Mm-hmm. Just it just that he just peels off at the end of every repetition of the riff. And he does it a couple different ways, but it's this constant recurring motif and then the the reverb from it cuts across the beginning of the next mm-hmm. riff for a long time. And I was like Yeah, there's a lot of like interesting use of reverb cutting across and stuff. Well, there's a lot of overdubs happening. There's mm-hmm. because that's just that that flanged like mm-hmm. twang. I, I'm pretty sure that's on like a, a and like its own channel. It's not part of the sure, riff sure, under it. He's sure. just adding it over, and that's something yeah. he's doing a lot. This is a super layered and textural music mm-hmm. from a guitar standpoint. Um, I'm pretty sure there's points on this record where there's like four distinct guitar lines going on at the same time. There was, Um, yeah, and there was some really good layering over that. There's like probably like, sure, the main riff changes, but there are all sorts of different harmonic ideas that come in over them, some of which I was really into. Uh, Oh yeah, he's constantly, he's always modifying the, the harmony a little bit. He's adding and dropping things constantly. Uh, even if the same basic figure is repeating, there's basically a new adjustment on the fly every single time, which is a very interesting way to compose black metal guitars. Yeah, he's really good at finding space that was there, especially if you take kind of a like, I don't know, if you try to take a kind of open or musical approach to black metal, space that was always there, but that a certain kind of riff, 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 songwriting doesn't notice um and like so it pursuant to what you were saying about like overlap right i think that's a good way of putting it i hadn't put my finger on that that like there are lots of ways where like because he's using all these overdubs there will be one riff will literally continue over the beginning of the next one right yeah there's like very that's not something people usually yeah that's not something people usually do and that's a really cool idea well, honestly, well, it, it's funny because we were we were talking about the uh, mm-hmm. we were, we were talking about the influences that he listed. Because mm-hmm. honestly, what this actually reminds me of more than anything is probably like the first Serpent Column record. Well, the first Serpent Column record definitely sort of fits in this general sort of uh, um, martial sounding black thrash thing. I don't really hear the overall similarity you'd have to explain a little more maybe some of the songs at the beginning of the record well i think it's sort of a meta thing serpent column especially the old stuff has this quality where it feels like the riffs are sort of like tumbling over one another oh you might be thinking of invicta i may be thinking of invicta more with the sort uh, of glistening guitar tones and everything's kind of overlapping and it still kind of has this thrashing quality to it but it's kind yeah, of yeah i think i think i might be yeah. thinking more of invicta you're right yeah no because there i hear what you mean yeah, yeah it's uh so i have a feeling this guy probably listens to a lot of serpent column uh there's also in the way that he uh, this guy programs his drums uh because mm-hmm. like serpent column drumming I tends to hear. Yeah. yeah, it closely yes. follows the riffs, right? Yeah, Serpent Column drumming is much more like an accompaniment to the riffs. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is kind of the same way. The programming is very 
<coughs> excuse me, it's very like bespoke uh, to the like individual riff or the individual phrase, and I can kind of go off and on with that because I think there's parts of this record where it works really well, and then there's other parts where it's just it's a little bit too much going on. I think, and mm-hmm. it kind of breaks apart the thread for your ear. Um, but yeah, no, I would say that the, the fundamental unit of this record is not necessarily the song, but sort of micro songs that get stacked on top of each other. Like, like that, uh, that sample that I played off Smoke Rise from the West, the song is kind of in two halves. Like what I played was the first half and it's kind of its own unit. That's true. Yeah, uh, so yeah, it's hearing this as because it's so different in kind of mood and sort of like harmonies, it's and just level of phi, right? This is much lower phi. It's interesting hearing this as potentially influenced by Serpent Column because that would be really cool. You know what I mean? Like bearing fruit in this rather than in, you know, the various autistic wank lords who hear it as a who hear it as a sort of you know, math project. Right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I hear what you mean there. I mean, a thing with the overlap also is, um, I guess here, yeah, I'll transition to my next sample. The overlap thing is also very negative plane. Uh, did you ever listen to negative plane back in the day? Uh, a little bit way back in the day. I think I, I talked to one of the guys in the band for mm-hmm. a while online and I think I listened to, like, their first record and basically liked it, but it just wasn't really my thing. That's kind of how I felt about it. I initially really liked it because it sounded so much truer than most of the other stuff that was coming out around it. But um, mm-hmm. but it also had a sort of psychedelic quality that wasn't exactly what I was looking for. And, oh, you know what it was? It had a style of riffing that was initially extremely impressive, and then on repeat listens I got less enthused by, mm-hmm. which is these sort of um, weebly-woobly descending runs, right? Like, right? And it basically sounded like more elaborate versions of the kind of bendy riffs on a destruction record, mm-hmm. right? was how I understood it back then. And um, they kind of just, it was a case of like a thing that had some inherent interest being used so much that it kind of, uh, and I'm just talking about the first negative plane, that's all I remember, being used so much that it kind of loses its impact. And you realize, oh, these aren't riffs, they're just runs. Yeah. A cool thing, so a cool thing this guy does is that he has ideas like that, but they always have shapes to them. Mm-hmm. These sort of cascading downward thing. They're always they're much more riffy than what I remember of Negative Plane, um, but some of the same excesses, which is that at times it can blur. We're related to what you were saying. Too much going on at times. It can just be kind of. It can through too many layers at once, or just not quite the right riff form or whatever. It can become a little riffola. Right. Yeah, yeah. It can it can lose some of it can become a little formless at times. Um, but um, I'd say that's one of the main just. Uh, I mean, he's a really talented riff writer, so that's just the main built-in limit to the riffing style, I would say. Um, but let's just so related to that then, it's like this is a hard record to sample because, as you say, it's these kind of micro songs, and because it just sprawls, right? Mm-hmm. 
And so at times that can be this related to the hazy diffuseness of it. But when he does it in a concerted way, right, when he's like, I'm going to make this sort of expansive kind of psychedelic post-nuclear desert kind of sound, I think it really hits. Um, so let's go to um, Violence is the Natural Law, which is the title track, and we'll start at the beginning. And there's just about a cool two-minute groove at the beginning of this. That blasting part was cool, but I just really liked the Well, yeah, it works like... I mean, it's it's almost like an elaboration off of uh, the little interlude track, the third track on this record, which is really just kind of a bluegrass guitar piece. Yeah, I think there are places where he... Yeah, we were talking about the scales. You said in your notes something about... Uh, a, a little too much standard Phrygian stuff. There's a lot... Of, well, because the thing is, like, a, you know, the blues scale and the mm. Phrygian scale are remarkably close to each other. It's just, like, a couple augmentations. Well, um, yeah. Phrygian, the Phrygian being, right, for lizards, like, the kind of snake charmer sounding one, right? Yeah, yeah. But, so, the, I, the thing is, like, he's doing a lot of stuff where it's like, I can hear... I think he's trying to go for a, like, kind of an Americana, like, mm -hmm. desolate Western thing. Mm -hmm. But then I think he's kind of doing it in Phrygian scales, so it has this strange, like, Middle Eastern quality to it. 
instead. It's it's interesting. I, or it's like he hears the scale differently. He's hearing the bluesiest notes of the Phrygian scale, you know? Well, yeah, I think that can give it a kind of distinct quality. I mean, the Phrygian thing, right, is being used because that is the thrash scale, right? Yeah, yeah. And using, like, Mongrel's Cross, there was more Phrygian stuff on their first record, but still Mongrel's Cross uses that as the bass thing. Um, Any of these other bands we've talked about use a lot of it. Uh, So it's it's a kind of part of the convention. Um, I think it's fine to use that as the bass, but yeah, there are places where he pushes it into more explicitly bluesy or bluegrassy sounding stuff, and it's very powerful. I think Sanguine River. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, this is, I didn't sample it, but like, the beginning of Sanguine River is great, and it works, has much more kind of like, uh, Celtic mountain music feel to it. Yeah, yeah, I get that. It goes from, his other stuff is like Phrygian, emphasizing the pentatonic, so it's like post-nuclear desert Mad Max, and this is much more sort of like uh, Dorian pentatonic, right? Sounds a little more, a little more Euro, a little more... Yeah, uh, I think... Yeah. I think the best stuff on this treads around more kind of Appalachian territory. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think it's I, like I think certainly I would like to hear more of that. Um, mm. uh, yeah, I'm fine with the Phrygian stuff, but the weakness of it is that uh, it can be uh, related to the negative plane thing. It can just too much of that Phrygian riffy stuff can get just a little bit like indistinct. Yeah. Um, uh, unless you're like trying to write thrash songs where you're writing these very clearly defined big riff, big riff, big riff. Right. Well, speaking of thrash songs, nice. Oh yeah. You got me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You set me up and I just laid it into the bucket. Um, preordained genocide. Uh, the final track of the record that we both sampled. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the thrash quality of this music is most distinct on this track, I would say. Yeah, this is a thrash song, basically. This is or a thrash not, song. It's, it's not a normal thrash song, but it's definitely a thrash song. Well, I would say that it's a thrash song in the way that like we're, I was saying, like early Serpent Column, a lot of those are mm-hmm. basically thrash songs. You know, they're, yeah, they're very yeah, yeah. complex thrash songs, and especially when you hear the uh, uh, the the much more complex sort of staggered rhythmic stuff that happens on this mm-hmm. track. That also led me to Serpent Column a lot. It's like, oh, this is how Serpent Column would do a more conventional thrash idea, and then kind of turn it on its head by playing with the rhythmic dimension so much. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is a really good track. So let's check out uh, a couple minutes from a little bit earlier in the track, and then you're on later. Uh, mm-hmm. So let's just see what we hear.
Yeah, dude. Yeah, you see, that's a, that's a place where the Phrygian thing really works for me. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, it, yeah, it's more like... Yeah, it might be that the spacey stuff... Yeah, I mean, the, the, the spacey stuff was Phrygian there, but like in... It might be that on average, more of the bluegrassy feel and more of the spacey stuff, and then when you're thrashing, you could use the thrash scale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, d does that make it a little clearer that that serpent column compar comparison? Yeah, no, I mean, I think I get it. The whole, I think I've 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 heard you on that the whole time. Um, okay. There are. Uh, yeah, I mean, it also just sounds like creator. <laughs> which is like, uh, well much more complicated creator but yeah yeah which is the thing i like you know um i i guess what yeah it's it's definitely got a different energy from serpent column from the first serpent column record but i i hear what you mean um yeah no no i get that um he's basically like when we get to this track the kind of feeling i have was like bro bro you've been holding out on us <laughs> well i think there's this is a record where it's kind of like what one of the problems is the surplus of riches because there's mm -hmm. a lot yes. of dramatically different moods yes. that this guy's operating in. And I think that there's an effort to make a sort of narrative arc for the whole thing. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that it's like the the most distant points on the constellation of this record are just like a little bit too distant, if you know what I mean. I think they're all individually very cool ideas. You got you know the kind of arrogant thrash stuff. You've got this really soulful kind of bluegrass stuff, and then you have these very sort of abstract, strangely shaped Phrygian, Phrygian black metal riffs, all of which are cool. But I think he's still working on a way to synthesize all those things in an ideal way. Yeah, I kind of, yeah, I guess my, yeah, sure. I, I think there's, I think like the weakness of, the overall weakness of this structurally is that it's a little bit diffuse. I think I agree. Uh, you can even hear that in terms of song structure. So like certain songs, like once you get to the, uh, he's got these different, you know, e even in a lot of Violence is the Natural Law or some of these middle tracks, um, it will just phase between the more spacey stuff and the more thrashy stuff. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there are times when he does that with intention and it's very effective, but there are other times when they just sort of phases in and out. Kind of like when you're, you know, when you're blackout and you're kind of like coming <laughs> in and out. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. Where you hit the bong too hard, right? You've been drinking and you hit the bong, right? And then everything kind of phases in and out. Um, <laughs> you get you you get these kinds of um, uh, moments where it's a little neither here nor there. Um, and yeah, like, well, I think when I think that what that mm -hmm. oh well, no, I was just gonna say I think that has to do with. Uh, the the like hyper textured nested guitars mm -hmm. because I have a feeling that <clears throat> I have a feeling that the way this guy writes music is that you he's got this he's got a, a great ear and a great 
mined for being able to piece together these very intricate kind of melodic ideas. And I mm-hmm. think he can kind of construct the, the harmonic dimension of it on the fly. But I think that that comes out fully formed in these sort of micro song ways where they're all elaborate variations on a central melodic idea. Mm-hmm. And then the, getting the challenge... Between- yeah, the challenge is getting between them. So I think that's where you'll hear some of the issues where yeah. it's like with the with, with the drum machine, he's trying to create something that matches the intensity, but then it's like, how do we get from one part to another? That's the difficult part, which is kind of the standard difficult part for every one-man project, I would say. Yeah, and especially this, because as you say, part of, part of the novelty, of the, part of the appeal of this band is that he's trying to span these very disparate emotional registers right um yeah and it can be really cool sometimes when he's doing these kind of uh para thrashing riffs and there's all this cascading stuff happening around it it can be very trippy in a cool way but sometimes you know a good good example of this is final days of the nuclear epoch i feel like Mm -hmm. there he's there's some active measure to like trade between these parts. And then when the thrashing part comes in, it's still got, there's a nicely shaped melody there. And it's still got a lot of the glistening stuff over it. And that's pretty cool. But in other places where it's just oscillating. Yeah. Not as, not as engaging. So I feel like in some sense, he needs to really commit to both halves of the spectrum and then think more about certain specific areas where he's throwing them together. And transitioning and things like that. I I think that it's really... I think it's one of those weird things where it's like he's got the hard part done first. Yes, 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 yes. He's got got this... That's a similarity to Serpent Column. Yeah, he's got this like insanely intricate mind specifically for these nested kind of guitar layers. And then... Then it's just like nuts and bolts shit from there. You know? Agreed. And I think that's, and I mean, that's a lot harder to do alone than it is when you've got people to bounce ideas off of. In a that band. might be our last annoying piece of advice, which would be get a drum. Make it a full band. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably difficult. I know. It's, you know, make it a full band. Yep. It's, um, or like, yeah, I don't know how he's doing it, but whatever way you could even try to simulate a full band, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Mm. but um like this would sound really this band obviously wants to have full live tones yeah yeah and i think that i think that making it more organic like that probably Mm -hmm. in and of itself could bridge some of the gaps that we're talking about. yeah just having to deal with an adhd aggro drummer would help avoid some of the head trip excesses (laughs) you know um uh, but yeah, so speaking of which, like, basically kind of the funny thing, right, the punchline of this record and the whole review is that although it's this kind of abstract, atmospheric thrash thing the whole way through, at the end, the guy's just like, yeah, I'm just going to write, like, a sick thrash song. And it's the funny thing is it's like, you know, often, like, when you when you hear something, abs- it, it's funny because, like, it's so good. <laughs> this last song is so good, right? And like, he, so like more stuff like this, man. Um, uh, so let's go to the end of Preordained Genocide. 
Yeah, that's just a pretty good example of like what I like about music. <laughs> well, it's still very sword oriented. It becomes highly sword oriented. Yeah, so we go a little. Yeah, my my note image for this was it's like the creator guy smashing the skeletons, but he's got a cowboy hat and a wolf tattoo and a battle axe made from a wrench. Um, <laughs> it no, it's. I mean, it is funny that just, like, he just rips out this, like, giant epic thrash song at the end. It's, like, exactly what you were saying. It's, like, why why were you waiting so long to to pull this out? Like, here we yeah, go. It, here we it's go. almost like, yeah, I mean, the, the, the ideas earlier on this record are super interesting. It should be preserved in the project, but, like, given that this you is where, wrote... This is where the execution is firing on all cylinders. This song is fucking eight minutes long, and it has two parts in it that are just like, holy shit, man. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, so there's no reason you couldn't write an album with Center of Gravity more in this. And, like, maybe it sounds more basic to you or less interesting. You know, now we're just directly addressing him, right? But, like, <laughs> it's just so damn good. And it has a lot of the weirdness in it, too. Yeah, no, it's, I like, you can hear he's still infusing some of those really abstract guitar mm-hmm. ideas into the riffs there, like those weird chiming harmonics at the end oh, of that, th- like, really fast Paul just one. kills me, yeah, so he hits that big sort of Dorian, noble, savage, barbarian melody, dum, 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 dum. And it, so that, there you get all the mountain, the, the bluegrass and country thing, right? Yeah, you yeah. get the, the sort of folk drone under American music. Uh, and, yeah, that chiming guitar over that is so beautiful. Like, yeah, no, it's a, it, it, this is where everything coalesces completely. Yes. It's like, yes. this is it. Yes. It's like, do your bizarre post-apocalyptic Americana thrash. I think yeah. that's... And you can and you can fold all those like really elaborate abstract guitar mm-hmm. ideas into it because you just did it here. Yes, and I I think that's maybe I I think my opinions changed a little bit. I think that might be the ideal form for me for this guy. No, I I, I think over the course of it's evolved. Yes, it's like in some sense the earlier stuff relative to that the earlier stuff appears too mannered, too refined. Um. If you can write an album where the center of gravity is shit like this, and then you've got deliberately spacey, droning kind of groove moments in between them, yeah, there you go. 
Yeah. No, I think yeah. I think we're in agreement on that one. Yeah. I mean, yeah, this so basically this guy is going going good places. It's just like, you know what it is? Just like, bro, just admit to yourself. You love to thrash. <laughs> just 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 let, let the uh <laughs> let the creator and destruction just flow directly through you. And yes. it's all going to be good. Yes. And uh <laughs> and, and gospel of the horns, man. Um uh and and get a drummer because the ADHD once you tell them you've got a, a blitzkrieg apocalyptic black thrash band the drummers will come running like the women <laughs> they absolutely um. will <laughs> all right um so yeah a uh, very interesting record and uh obviously thanks to CJ for the support on the show and we're looking forward to hearing some new stuff so uh yeah well to wrap things up um you ever listen to because i was trying to follow the western thread mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh have you ever listened to uh the earth record uh hex or printing in the infernal method i've been meaning to earth is i read an interview with him long ago where i was mm-hmm. just like this dude is such a g it was some pitchfork oh, yeah. person talking to him or whatever and he said something that they asked him about like he said something to the effect of um, he likes thinking about uh, the something like the pathetic age of reason washing up on the shores of reality, and <laughs> the, the, all the sort of uh, and sort of like the gods and fairies coming back to the world or something. And I was like, this dude fucking gets it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well. Yeah. So hex was their take on a sort of mm-hmm. ominous Americana drone. Mm-hmm. Um, I listened to really old earth when I was mm-hmm. younger. And then uh, my buddy who's actually the drummer in my band now is the one who found hex. And he showed it to me cause he's an enormous fan of Westerns in general and mm-hmm. uh, kind of Western music. And he showed it to me and yeah, no, this really is a, a wonderful, very singular thing. You know, it's got all the weirdness of Jandek, but it's also very heavy. It, mm-hmm. it it is a it is a circa eighteen ninety five mugshot in musical form. You know, oh, for horse ooh. thievery. You know, horse right. thievery and sodomy. So uh, we'll go out At with the, a trend. And, and, and let's just say both of those charges are more closely related than you might Deeply, think. deeply interrelated <laughs> charges. So uh, I'll play uh, my buddy's favorite song off the record. This is called uh, Ryford, The Felon Wind. And Ooh. as always, thank you guys for listening, and we will see you next week. <laughs>